Food Talks, live interviews with inspiring people, episode 4, Ina Vanoveren. Our arena is actually going to be the biggest arena in the world because we go and digital and virtual so that we can reach actually millions of people. Um, you have to stand still, shoulders <laughs> lower. Oh my god. Um, take the time to really embrace and acknowledge your personal interests. Ine, thank you for receiving me here. It's an amazing place. Uh, my mind is blown by the experience I just lived with you here at Corda. Can you please present it for our auditors? It's a, it's a very cool place. Sure, sure, sure. So uh, welcome Renata in my Thanks. office at Thanks. Corda Campus. Um, Corda Campus is a technology campus in Hasselt, Flanders, Belgium. Um, it is a corporate space, um, so there are a lot of companies here, businesses, uh, from startup to scale-up to bigger um, companies, all of them working with technology and innovation in some way. Uh, what am I doing here? <laughs> um, I am part of the creative team of Corda Campus, uh, responsible for content innovation for the future digital arena that is going to be built here. It will be the very first digital arena in Europe on the mainland. Um, there are only, I think we're the eighth or the ninth or even the seventh arena in the world. Um, no, not many. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I so, didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, there are not many of these big digital arenas. Physically, it will be the smallest of them all. So it will be for around 4,000 people physical. Um, but our arena is actually going to be the biggest arena in the world because we go and digital and virtual so that we can reach actually millions of people. Um, so everyone will be centered in Hasselt. And um, the, the arena still needs to be built, um, but I just showed you um, the arena in VR so that you already can see um, the dimensions, the look and feel of it. Look at the screen that is coming because it will be the first moving screen while still playing. Um, That's very cool. So you are also imagining, for example, what it can be uh, used for exactly. in art. Exactly. Uh, hence your importance here in this project, right? Yeah, exactly. So that is actually pretty cool that the CEO of Corda asked a bunch of artists to think about the content of the arena, even if it's also for esports events or for conferences or for uh, fairs. Um, there will be music shows, of course, and art shows and fashion shows. But it's nice to think of it um, from an artistic angle. And then, of course, all these different technological innovations and state-of-the-art technology, the new things, is just really a big playing ground for artists to work with. And then we are, of course, thinking like, oh, what can we do? Moving screens, motion design, it will continue. Let's think about storytelling. And yeah, these are my days. Some days of the week. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> it's 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 mind blowing, really. Um, I'm very much looking forward to discover it live, to be present. Looking forward for the building to be built and yes, to... opening in September 2024. 
after discovering the work environment and the dream job of this amazing and surprising footist. Let's discover together more about her biography. I asked her to share with us what moments of her life felt like important milestones. Okay, okay. So, um, in, a, in a nutshell, <laughs> um, I was actually a very classic flute player when I was a teenager, imagining myself in orchestras, um, still even liking Mozart concerto. Uh, that changed. Um, and then I went to the conservatoire and very early on I came in contact with contemporary music and that was it for me. Um, because the creation process of contemporary music is completely different than from classical music. And after two years, because I started early at the conservatoire at 16 already, um, so after a few years I noticed that the rigid system of education at a conservatoire is not really a match for my personality. And then when um, I had the opportunity to play my first contemporary chamber music piece, that was actually an eye-opener at a very early age, <laughs> 18 early, yes, maybe. Do you no. remember <laughs> the piece? Yeah, it was Karel Ruivaert, uh, Zum Wasserman. <laughs> It was difficult then, of course, never being confronted with... It was not contemporary techniques, but it was a contemporary writing, especially in rhythm, um, in, in tempo. Um, so that was different. Um, but yeah, as you know as well, the whole creative process of contemporary music is completely different because there is not that much reference. So tradition, reference, the burden of tradition actually became too much. Um, speaking that out loud, um, yeah, that wasn't easy because that uh, was causing conflict at the conservatoires that I did. So I didn't do one conservatoire. I got um, kicked out a few times until I ended up with Toon Fred in Liège. Um, he was my professor then in my master's. Now I'm an assistant of his. And he, he, well, he forced me to do the whole scale of the flute music history, of course, so starting with medieval music and then doing the whole shebang. Uh, <laughs> but for my final master's exam, he allowed me to do a completely, completely contemporary program. Um, 19 minutes contemporary music, yay. It's also the first time that I played Cassandra's Dream Song already, for example. Um, and then afterwards, I noticed like, okay, I really, really, really want to develop more skills. Um, I went to Mario Caroli in Lugano. Um, it was very interesting. So every two weeks we had a lesson. I had to prepare two new pieces per lesson. So then you do your kilometers, uh, then you know how to practice um, and you learn a lot. Not finished, of course, in two weeks, but it forces you to practice very efficiently. Wow, that's uh, that's a challenge. I mean, two pieces yes. per per week. Per two weeks. Per two weeks. Yeah. Still, still but one still. piece per week. Then. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. It's uh, not. It's not the kind of um, pace I was doing in the conservatory no. myself. No. No. But it's more maybe closer to what we tend sometimes have to do in real concert exactly. life. Exactly. In real life, because as you know, composers. 
never ever are on time with their deadlines <laughs> so you have to practice pieces you know in a very short amount of time <laughs> agree. agree composers we love we love you but yeah. please sorry still love you still love you um that is then something that i didn't learn in lugano in lugano it was it was um It was all written repertoire, no new premieres. I, I didn't have the experience of new creations yet. And that changed then when I went to San Diego for my doctorate there. Um, and that was immediately from the start collaborating with composers. And actually it was the one creation after the other. And then that really opened up this this mm. yeah, this challenge of there it's it's a blank canvas. There is no reference whatsoever. You will never find one recording or one video video anywhere it is completely new what do you do with it and that shapes a personality and and more i find than recreating pieces like being a second or a third performer of a piece is still very novel but being that creator of a new piece that is really really what i find the most creative part of being a contemporary flute player definitely i completely agree with you and Maybe you also find out about yourself doing uh, oh, yeah. what you do <laughs> like. And, and then uh, what did you find about yourself in that period, maybe? Um, that I have no concept of self-love whatsoever. Oh my <laughs> <Zero>. God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, was, I remember the first meeting when the incoming um, performers had to present themselves to the incoming composers because we were put together the first months, which is an excellent idea to do. And then it's like, here, work together, collaborate, and then there are jury pieces. So we had to present ourselves for the composers that they knew like which who do I want to work, what to write and this and that. And I remember the presentation um, and one of the colleagues, the singer was saying like, no matter what, um, I will not scream. I don't do that for my vo voice. And, da, da, da. and then I heard myself saying afterwards, like, I will scream on stage. And I was like, why did I say that? <laughs> But it, it set a tone and the tone was, ah, I will do everything. Um, All right, yeah. in that sense. In that sense. Um, <laughs> and then for some reason I could not um, refuse uh, a challenge. It's an ego thing, I think. And mm -hmm. uh, I was like, is that possible? Yeah, 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 possible, possible, even if I didn't know it was possible or not. And that led to situations where I would spend three months in a very small classroom trying to have a flutter on top of a whistle sound. For having studied the piece with Ina herself, I can tell now that it is possible, but quite challenging. The effect was called Ina's Whistle Tones in Fernanda Aoki Navarro piece Through, played by Ina Van Uveren.
can you um, describe your the transformation of your work when I when I first met you four years ago? Something like that. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> Um, you were mainly uh, playing uh, the flute uh, and less uh, being in digital art, yeah. if, if that's correct, correct. Correct me if I'm wrong. And now you have so much more creative uh, work that you do and you are inventing so much more things. You are, uh, you are also specialized in virtual reality and um, digital arts. Uh, right? Right. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Terminology is not easy with new things. <laughs> Sorry. And uh, how did you? How did it all start? Yeah. So, so it was actually correct that um, I, I was mainly um, a physical player before, so on a physical stage and a physical um, setting. But I think what I do now directly is directly derived from my. Um, study in, in Fernie House music. Fernie House music already is quite theatrical, um, often also out of necessity. Certain techniques are not possible without, you know, this physical embodiment with um, searching for an, an, a non-conform um, posture to get certain techniques out of that tube. So it's already an embodiment that was completely different um, from, from classical playing. And a step further, before COVID, everything before COVID still, um, was my research into the monodrama and especially The Silenced by Jason Eckert. And he incorporated parameters of other uh, performative disciplines within the musical score. So there were theatrical elements, but also choreographical elements um, that you as a performer need to embody in order to express really the, the musicality of the piece. And I found that really interesting. Um, I remember as a classical flute student at the conservatoire, I always, always from juries got the remark, you have to stand still or um, <laughs> shoulders lower or you move too much. Um, but that apparently always has been who I am. Um, and then going deeper into this performative aspects of music. Yeah, this was a natural liberation um, somehow. It felt totally, totally natural that my body was also a musical element. Um, and then this little thing, COVID, <laughs> happened. All concerts <laughs> gone. You sit at home. And I was just looking for new ways to create, to have new creations, to have new mm -hmm. pieces out there. Um, I was still working and collaborating with composers long distance then on new pieces, but I mean, after the gazillion uh, Zoom premiere or YouTube premiere, you really don't want to do that anymore. So I was looking for new ways. I got in contact um, with Martina Minigon. She's a digital artist um, from Vienna. She's teaching there um, at the university. Mm -hmm. And she was giving a workshop in Mozilla Hubs. Um, and that was actually the beginning in, 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 yeah, at first I didn't know what it was. I was like, huh, why would we do that? But then, <laughs> um, yeah, I got to know it more and I saw the potential and I started um, experimenting with it as well. Um, I found some colleagues at the Academy of Fine Arts in, in Antwerp. I was still at the conservatory in Antwerp back then. And we started developing um, projects together. First, it was very low key in Mozilla. 
my first Mozilla party was a premiere party in a virtual expo. And then Jason Eckert wrote a new piece. Um, Jeff Raffels, um, who is a composer but also a visual artist, made um, an animation on it. We, mm -hmm. we, it was what then post-production that you had the animation and the audio. And we premiered it, quote-unquote, in Mozilla. It was just like, hey, 8 p.m., be there, <laughs> follow this link. And then we went all to the same room and there was push play. And we all heard the piece for the first time together. Afterwards, we could talk to each other through avatars. There was a YMCA party. Everyone had drinks at home. And at that point, that was really nice because we had nothing. And then um, Jason was in New York. Marcelo was, I think, still, um, no, was already in, in Germany. Anahita was in San Diego, a few people in Belgium. So it was actually really nice to have this community feeling again, but then virtual. And it only developed from there. Then we um, asked for, we wrote grants, research grants, um, digging into XR performances and remote performances, working with ICT profiles who can really code in Unity, in Unreal. Um, then discovering a mocap suit. I didn't know what that was three <laughs> years ago. Now it's a second skin. <laughs> um, so it's with sensors that you bring all your joints um, on a skeleton and then you can uh, create a virtual body, a virtual skin. It can be you. That is then called a digital twin. find it not interesting. So we work with more abstract um, avatars. Um, we collaborated with um, composer Wim Hendricks, who unfortunately is not amongst us now anymore. He died very unexpectedly and way too soon, um, right before Christmas. Um, but yeah, it's still there in spirit when we are developing the piece now to a live VR experience. So that is then bringing people physically together again, but everyone experiencing it in VR, where you have agency, where you can choose your own trajectory. And so where the experience of the audience, but also the connection between the performer and the audience is completely different. And I think that is what interests me the most in these types of performances now is the rethinking of a connection with your audience and who is your audience. Um, I, I myself personally, um, I don't think I will play a lot of physical concerts anymore, meaning in a traditional setting with a stage higher than the audience and in front of the audience, which is a communication that is very one-sided. And I find that the communication that you have with your audience um, in VR is much more a dialogue. And that's very interesting actually to notice. Shall we all try it? Click on that? Yeah, there we are. Very well, very well. choice which of those four objects you would like to hear and to see next. Right now you are hearing excerpts of the project Empty Mind, in which Inuvanuvaran interacts live with the public.
Also your perception of uh, performance changes, especially perception of time. Um, because you also, yeah, you also get visual stimuli. When you are in VR or when you look at uh, a wall where there is projection mapping or something like that, it's not only the, the, the sonical parts that you have, but there are also visual parts. And while being on stage and improvising, we all have that as musicians, or also even if you take a very simple thing like a cadenza in a classic concerto, we all, we all had that experience like, oh, this is taking too long. Um, um, is it still interesting for an audience? Ah, this rest, no, I'm, that needs shorter. Uh, this is way too long for a pause. What will the audience think? You know, this thing, we all had it. Right, yes. It completely disappears when you also have this visual component because there is always something happening. And if you don't, then don't take time, and if you don't breathe, and if you don't let the music sound, well, there is just too much information for an audience, but also for you right. as a performer. Right. So my conception of time and um, improvisation in VR then completely changed. And now has come the time for the now traditional ending question of Flute Talks. What would be your advice for our listeners coming from your life experience? I would say to um, take the time to really embrace and acknowledge your personal interests. I didn't do that enough when I was a student. And um, I had a lot of interests. I've always been a super nerd. And that completely disappeared to the background because it was always, you know, you need to practice six hours, seven hours, eight hours and do technique. And if you're tired, eh, practice still. And there is not much time for oxygen. Literally, go for walks and go into nature to get inspiration, but also oxygen um, to develop your own personal interests that are outside of that flute. The flute is an interface. It's a vessel of your creativity, but it doesn't define you. Um, and I think at conservatoires, there is not enough attention to individual development, to personal development and too much a focus on technique, while it's really those creative approaches and those creative tools um, that are so unique in every person and in every student entering. Mm. And they can be so useful for so many different um, sectors outside of the cultural sector, but students never get that message, and that is a pity. Um, it is not easy to earn your living in, in the arts. Um, it is the, one of the worst paid uh, <laughs> sectors um, that exist. Um, now you know. Now you know. So, yeah, but if you think about it, what you earn as a fee for a concert and all the work and all the effort and um, all the investment also financially in instruments, in material that goes into it, I mean, it's really, really a scandal because you don't, we don't deliver something tangible. So there is not a correct price. Um, and I really, really don't agree with that. I shifted from the conservatoire to more to other departments um, at the University College now in Hasselt, but I am still doing the exact same thing and I am actually still delivering the exact same message, but to other students as well, but I am paid double as much. Um, and I think this is very important for all young musicians and students to understand that playing concerts 
and being an artist here in Belgium, in Europe, as it is right now and how um, politics look at art and artists, it won't be possible to have a decent living um, just by, by playing or by creating. It, they force you that it will be a hobby or something on the side. But everyone, every student, every art student has qualities, these creative qualities to really make a difference in other branches um, as well. But it's not emphasized enough at a conservatoire, I find. So take time to discover who you are, watch Netflix documentaries, go on YouTube. Um, while you're doing long notes, Renata still <laughs> knows that, that I tell all my students, if you have to do long notes, uh, whistle sounds and scales. I confirm that. <laughs> yeah, do it daily, but not in front of a mirror because you will get tension everywhere in your body. Do it in front of a Netflix show or a series or YouTube without sound. <laughs> you are of making course. the sound. But then your attention is divided and it's a way more relaxed way of practicing and you learn other things. You learn, you, you gather knowledge and you develop on a personal level. And I think for me, that is a very, very important message that I really hope I can give to all my students. Thank you very much, Ina, for sharing these precious pieces of advice, as well as your artistic journey. This ends our fourth episode of Flute Talks, but we're not saying goodbye to Ina yet. For those of you who are familiar with contemporary flute music, you might be frustrated that there was not one word on Fernie Howe. That is because I saved all this good stuff for a bonus episode where we discuss everything Fernie Howe and go deep into Cassandra's dream song with Inu Vanuveren. Stay tuned!